Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Have we made it clear yet to the people that we're going to Star Trek Las Vegas? No, I don't think we have. Tickets bought in, air travel and hotel arranged. Do we have tickets to the con? No, of course not. I'm like I'm gonna give them my credit card information after seeing their massive breach. <laughs> do, they have, do they have a massive breach? Oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> they're venting uh, crewmen into space. They're they're venting uh, credit card plasma. Oh no! It's yeah, it's a bad like a uh, friend of the podcast Brie Belke, I think had her her credit card snuffed. Uh, uh, like a bunch of a bunch of friends of Desoto threw in and then had to like get new credit cards and stuff for it so i don't know about you i'm gonna be paying cash on the day of (laughs) (laughs) cash like a gentleman that's me you know something else we should probably make clear is we are going to destroy the falcon that's right this this was something we were uh we were using as a uh incentive during the pledge drive during the max fund drive we uh we said if we got 2000 new and upgrading uh, supporters, we would do it, and we did, and we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We make no promises about timeline. However, uh, we're working even now <laughs> on how to get this done yeah. with alacrity. I'm, I'm really excited about it. A couple of friends of DeSoto have uh, have offered uh, to send us a drone for use in this in this video. I, I was just thinking, like we we talked about dropping this thing into a pool to kind of mm-hmm. contain all the pieces when it flies yeah. apart. Uh, fly her apart, then you say, <laughs> right? And uh, and and if we uh, if we find a pool, I feel like we're gonna want some like overhead shots of uh, of the situation. So I might put this out on the streets right now. If you're a pool person in or around the Los Angeles area, we're we're auditioning pools. One thing that I do have genuine fear surrounding is the idea of building this model and then putting it in a car and taking it somewhere to break it. What do you mean? Like it would be stolen out of your parked car? No, I'm just saying like going around a, a corner, it's going to like slide over and, and break, you know? Come on, man. You just seatbelt that in, uh, it's going to ride shotgun. <laughs> it's going to be fine. You know it would be great? Destroy the Falcon with an airbag. <laughs> <laughs> just plow through a four-lane intersection and uh, <laughs> let fate take the wheel. That would be an exquisitely nerdy way to die if uh, <laughs> in the driver's seat, like the Claymore mine that is the Lego Millennium Falcon explodes via airbag and wow. then just tears shrapnel throughout the entire car. Yeah. Killed by a dork. Well, any- anyways, we're, uh, we're working all these details out. Uh, how many vehicular manslaughters we will be Mm. perpetrating in the process etc cetera, etc cetera. so uh yeah uh we'll we'll keep you guys posted on that and uh i'm looking forward to dropping that video yeah y'all will know when we know adam it's uh it's been a while since you've uh checked the p.o box and i understand that you were just there at the uh at the p.o box store 
Do you have any mail you want to open up? Ben, I have so much mail. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Starfleet emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. Ben, the box on top is the heaviest box. It is 25 pounds. I know this because my friends at the UPS store (laughs) made mention of that. And how and how not enjoyable it was to uh, to take care of this thing for the week that they had it. So I'm going to start there. You know that Millennium Falcon is like over 30 pounds shipping weight. <laughs> Cannot rule out that that's what's in here. <laughs> this package is from John from Parker, Colorado. Ben, what we have in this box is a lot of beer. Wow. What we have is a six-pack of River Runners Pale Ale from the Eddie Line Brewery. Wow. We have got Due East IPA. Just a... Just a from the Boulder Beer Company. A surfeit of podcasting fluid. Is this all Colorado? Let's see. Yes, it uh, looks like it is. We got Big Juicy Freak Double IPA, so uh, <laughs> probably your favorite from the Denver Beer Company. Why is that my favorite? your college nickname (laughs) and then we got death before disco porter of the left hand brewing company i remember having left hand beer uh during our time in denver doing shows there so wow a hell of a care package yeah from our friend john uh there is a letter here suggested off-air reading so I'm going to keep the letter to myself and just thank our friend uh, John from Colorado for sending us uh, a lot of things to drink on yeah. the occasion of Ben's next visit to Seattle. Yeah, thank you, John. That's great. Looking forward to drinking. It's incredibly generous to send us beer, especially because of how expensive it is to ship. <laughs> like, wow. Ben, our next package sent to us from Leslie and Alice from Shakopee, Minnesota. Shakopee? Shakopee? Ankylosaur. What we have here is a box bursting with Girl Scout cookies. Hell yeah. So many Girl Scout cookies. We've got... uh, This is not the first box of Girl Scout cookies we've been sent, by the way. Oh, you were sent a box that that I did not have access to. Oh, I think this is... I think she sent some to you and some to me. Wow. That is really nice. Uh... It includes all my favorites, the Caramel Delights being my number one. Then we got Thin Mints and S'mores. One of the things that I have often thought as an adult is I want Girl Scout cookies, but I feel weird about the idea of having to get to know some Girl Scouts. Well, you're supposed to park your van on the other side of the parking lot (laughs) and then get out on foot and then go into the grocery store where they sell them, Ben. Don't have to they like sell them in the grocery store in Seattle? My experience is they hang out at the entrance slash exit to your local grocery. Really? Oh, yeah. that's nice. Yeah, that's, that's where they gather. How convenient. Our letter enclosed is from Leslie and Alice, and in parentheses, the scout. So Alice being the scout. Dear Ben and Adam, thank you so much for this awesome podcast. It has been a great stress reliever for me, and I even have made new friends. The many Facebook groups have made it fun to be on Facebook again, and I enjoy interacting with all the great friends of DeSoto. That goes for uh, one of us. You know, one of my great regrets is having made Facebook palatable to more people. (laughs) (laughs) 
The live shows were a blast, too. I got to hang out with a great group of Minnesota FOD. And uh, that's the truth. We love doing shows in, in Minnesota, that's for sure. Hell of a place. Please enjoy these Girl Scout cookies as my way of saying thanks. This helps me support my kid's goal of getting a thousand boxes sold without eating a bunch myself. <laughs> she doesn't like to make things easy on me. Thank you, Leslie and Alice. I will share that I shared some of my Girl Scout bounty with uh, folks at MaximumFun.org, uh, office staff there, and they also really appreciated it. Good job by you. Ben, our third package is contained within a Shuttlecraft Galileo cardboard box. Fun. It's from Liz from Washington, D.C. I've been given specific opening instructions. Oh, that's because when you open it, it's also printed inside. I'm going to Jackie and Lori you a picture of this. It's, it's pretty great. Oh, man, that is cool. Yeah. Wow. Right? I bet we have some action figures that would be to scale in that box. Speaking of action figures, what we have inside is a Star Trek Master Series Latinum Edition 7 of 9 figurine. Wow. Oh, wow. Look at her. It's uh, it's 7 of 9 in statuette form. Letter inside from Elizabeth goes like this. Dear Ben and Adam, I'm not exaggerating when I say your podcast has changed my life. Wow. The community that has emerged out of TGG is the best thing on the internet. Facebook, it's not just for Russian election thieves anymore. (laughs) I've met true friends and established relationships that have made my life better. You helped me find my best friends. I'm slightly embarrassed writing this, but it's true. Enclosed, you will find a weird-ass statue I was gifted, but I don't know what to do with. Oh, great. Thanks, Elizabeth. <laughs> thanks thanks for your sincere note of gratitude and your, and your re-gifted statue. Well, John Roderick is, uh, has a, a, a number of other co-hosts that also have weird, uh, uh-huh. sexy lady statues in their offices. So now you join that uh, August society. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I hope one of your wives gives you permission to, to display this, and I hope <laughs> this motivates you to do Voyager next. Voyager, better than you remember. Live long and prosper, pod dads, and thanks. Love, Elizabeth, all caps, Janeway. Whoa. P.S. Thanks for coming to D.C. two times. Keep it up. We love D.C. We'll be back in D.C. Yeah, no question. This next one is from Kim from Pflugerville, Texas. Kim has enclosed a couple of Jim Shimoda things. I'm going to see if the letter can give me any more insight. To the Prophet's greetings from the ass end of the Alpha Quadrant, things just haven't been the same around here since you decided to blow up the Facebook butthole. We understand why you did it, but we miss you. Boy, <laughs> lots of Facebook talk. Really? Like, it's round. like uh, we get off Facebook and it comes at us through the, the fucking mail. <laughs> We were cleaning out our closet on the promenade and ran across these Jim Shimoda magnets. Were these, like, a product that were available for sale? No. We thought that would make a nice gift for you, so we stuck them in an orb case and dropped them off a quarks. He knows a guy that knows a guy with a really fast ship. (laughs) Also, thank you so much 
to Ben for his attempt at singing our theme song. It's a very good thing you didn't know how the theme to the song to Enterprise goes. Good thing that my memory is bad. (laughs) I've always said this. Having that particular song in so many viewers' heads would have resulted in a thousand one-star reviews on iTunes, so bullet dodge there. Thanks again, Jim Shimoda with a G. Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad that Jim Shimoda exists. I'm just not glad that Facebook exists. You know, I, I wish that one could could exist without the other. I think I think it could. I wish everybody listening to this just got off Facebook all at once, and wow. the people running Facebook were like, "What the fuck? Why did like thirty thousand people just leave our service?" Wow, that would be great. And then they tracked us down and they had us killed. That doesn't sound fun to me. How about they just kill you? <laughs> Okay. You're the, you're the one with that crazy idea. I mean, you don't think Facebook is good. I do not think it's good. Ben, in the package sent to us by Megan in Australia, my heart skipped a beat because what I've pulled out of this package is a cookbook. The cookbook is called In My Kitchen. Its author is Nana Visitor. Whoa. Uh, it appears to be... Signed by Nana Visitor. Whoa! Is this uh, Megan of Megan and Imogen? The inscription inside says, To Ben and Adam, enjoy this. <laughs> and then signed below Nana Visitor. If this is some kind of prank, Megan, gonna be deeply upset. But I don't think it is. This looks legit. There's a letter. I'm gonna read it. Maybe there's more information. Read it. Dear Ben and Adam, nothing said fuck 2018 and fuck cancer better than voyaging on Big Rod Afloat, a.k.a. Star Trek The Cruise 3. Oh, man. It was truly a blast, and you will see my bald noggin in many a photo (laughs) on the official cruise site at StarTrekTheCruise.com. The only thing missing on the cruise was your good selves. A bit of pirate pod in Big Rod's pocket would have been ace. That said, <laughs> there were many FODs and a fellow Jim Shimoda. Wow. I told Nana all about you. And in parentheses, uh, she is beyond lovely. She signed her book for you. Wow. I just kind of got the chills reading that, Megan. That is incredible. We're so glad that you were feeling well enough to go on the cruise, yeah. certainly. And wow, just uh, really glad that you made some friends there and there were some uh, other friends of DeSoto to keep you company. That's rad. I, I love that that's like becoming a thing at these Star Trek events is like uh, you yeah. know, people, people in the shirts and with the pins and stuff just kind of like winking at each other. This email address in the inscription... Yeah, it seems like she's saying she's saying she's open to communicating with us. Does that does that take me to her? No. Is that something I should write? I think you should write an email to that. I am going to start up a a donor support podcast feed that's making every single recipe in this book. <laughs> there's there's pictures and stuff in here, and there's stories. Is it a particular style of cooking? Is it just kind of home recipes or? It looks like it's just all her favorites. Wow. She's so great. Thank you so much, Megan. Our next package is from Dan from Arcata, California. Arcata is the uh, is the is the seat of Humboldt County, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah? Yeah. I, oh, I, I'm smelling the package. Dan has sent a Star Trek Mad Libs. Whoa. With a post-it that says, Ben and Adam, I simply want to say thank you for bringing so much joy and fun into my ear holes. Live long and prosper, your true friend of DeSoto, Dan. 
Thanks, Dan. Star Trek Mad Libs could be like a whole kind of Marin. Oh, shit. You're right. Thank you for sending that. Thank you very much. We got an envelope here from Jacob from Dearborn, Michigan. Jacob has included a picture of a canine police dog named Worf. Whoa. Dear Ben and Adam, now that Mr. Worf is established on DS9, I have enclosed a trading card that I suspect you do not have. <laughs> My otherwise very serious local police department employs a canine officer named Commander Worf. Cool. Who is in fact trained in Klingon verbal commands. <laughs> His handler carries these cards with him to hand out to children. Fun. I have brought much dishonor to my house in the face of a very tall policeman in order to obtain this card. Please yeah, enjoy. It's Jake in Dearborn. Ben, our next package comes to us uh, from Kevin out of Northport, Florida. It is a bunch of credentials for something that took place October 26th through 28th, 2018. I'll tell you what's going on here. This guy went to a bunch of different things and then put his credentials on like a doorknob in his house and then eventually they stacked up and he's like, I gotta do something with these. He tried to pawn them off on us. Kevin, we don't want your trash. Get your trash out of here. Maybe Kevin will explain in his letter that goes like this. Adam and Ben, so... I work for a company that produces event credentials for festivals, conventions, etc. Oh. And we often end up with some extras. Yeah. So when this one event came through last October, I instantly thought of you guys. <laughs> Here are some laminates and lanyards from Northeast TrekCon in Albany, which took place on October 26, 2018. <laughs> Thought you might like them. Kinda neat. Also, I've included some Star Trek TNG pogs that resurfaced in my possession during a round of spring cleaning. Kevin gives us his garbage. Man, Kevin could have been some help to us last year because we were making we were making like company IDs for Uxbridge Shimoda. There's a little pro tip to everyone out there. If you're ever like traveling with gear, if you have an ID with your face on it from the company that you work at, and you work for a company that claims to be a media company like Uxbridge Shimoda does. You can get discounts on checked luggage fees at the airport. Ben, our final package of the day. Woo! I thought we'd never get there. Comes from Grand Prairie, Texas. No name on the exterior. Probably smart. We have got a lot of bubble wrap protecting the Star Trek The Next Generation communicator walkie-talkie. Wow. <laughs> the letter inside, unsigned. <laughs> It says, now you'll never be apart. <laughs> it is so threatening. Wow. I'm going to send you a picture of the kid wearing this on the box, which is <laughs> absurd. <laughs> Isn't that silly? <laughs> oh, man. I think they got the scale wrong. Yeah, not to scale. That is hilarious. I like that there is a little inset picture of a different kid wearing the same communicator, presumably to show that that one in the lower left corner has a friend. It's, <laughs> a friend it, that he's talking to? It, but it's, it's strange credulity to imagine that that kid has a friend. <laughs> this is going to be my new uh, Twitter profile pic. <laughs> The kid with the too large communicator. It is ridiculous. Oh, there's even a picture of them together. 
Oh, cute. Just like you and me, Ben. That's gonna that's gonna be how we keep in touch when we're at STLV. So ends the opening of the mail, Ben. Christ, do we have to do an episode now? <laughs> I think we should wrap it up here. Thanks for listening. What are we watching next week? <laughs> we'll just skip Little Green Men. We would be run out of town on a rail. <laughs> I I don't think I don't think we'd ever be forgiven. No. Well, uh, with our remaining time, Ben, let's turn our attention towards uh, an episode that is just as much fun to experience. It's Deep Space Nine, season four, episode seven. Little Green Men. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. It is a bit of a rite of passage for young Nog. He's uh, he's getting ready to go away to Starfleet Academy. And uh, what you do when you're a, a Ferengi boy about to head off into the world and make his own way, is you sell all your crap. Let the bite commence! I bet my parents wish that this was a human ritual. <laughs> I bet most parents do this as a human ritual. My mom has been trying to convince me for like three months to fly home and empty the closet of my childhood bedroom. <laughs> Why don't you? You think it's her job to, to schlep around your shit for the rest of your life? The, the reason I don't is I don't think that there's anything in there. Oh, it's stuff that she should know to throw away that she just hasn't? Yeah, it's like uh, software boxes for Final Cut Pro version 1, you know? Oh, yeah, that's a great version. <laughs> we don't need to that's save that. That's a great that. big box also. Yeah. It works great on Mac OS 8. Mm, hey, that's the OS that John Roderick uses. <laughs> Uh, which of your boyhood items would have the most value to you in a garage sale type setting? Because there are a few of these that Nog gives relative deference to, but yet they're all for sale. Everything yeah. must go. It's uh, it's his PJs. I saw some desiccated bodies pucks there. <laughs> so uh, definitely he, like some He's dead... selling grandma. Yeah, <laughs> grandma is definitely among his personal effects. No reasonable offer will be refused. Quark is, uh, is not sight psyched about this, right? No, because any reminder of Nog's entrance into Starfleet Academy is something that he just disagrees with. Another character that's suspicious of it is Worf, which is surprising because Worf, probably the first Klingon to go through Starfleet Academy, right? Yeah, something that I think O'Brien reminds him of. Like, Worf, remember how painful it is to be othered. Yeah, seems like a, a, a pretty hypocritical stance for you to be taking right now, Worf. Uh, he does see the utility of a tooth sharpener, which is nice. You gotta wash the tooth sharpener before you stick it in your mouth. That foley work on the sound, I think, is very good. Very Oof. well done. As Having... soon as he touches that thing to the tooth. Having had a lot of dental work done recently, I did not like... <laughs> Worf will buy that tooth sharpener and then we will never see it again Thank goodness Get yeah. it out of here Quark's cousin has finally given Quark the shuttle that they've been promised for years and years This is a real inherit a vehicle situation It's because Quark lent his cousin a bunch of money mm -hmm. back in the day when uh, when Rom like like uh, gives it a once over, he's like, "Yeah, this thing is in great condition. You don't even you know routine maintenance isn't for a long time." By the way, you need a new Johnson rod in here. We've made the joke before, but it feels like shuttles of this kind and size 
really evoke an RV type vibe, right? And right. so if you've been gifted an RV, I think the first thing you need to do is is check the wastewater and the like like make sure it doesn't smell. Right. Make sure that nobody has ever used the toilet. Like number one only. That's the rule of all RVs, right? Yeah. Did you tell me that, or where did we learn that? I think that was eroticism. Yeah. That uh, that once you use it for anything other than number one, it's never the same. Yeah. Go on the side of the road where that belongs. <laughs> to what uh, the Dave Matthews Band does, and dump it off the side of a bridge. Right. So it turns out Nag is going to fly private to college, which uh, Not bad. is pretty fancy. Yeah. Quark has paid $250,000 to defraud the admissions board at, uh, at Starfleet <laughs> Academy by photoshopping Nog's head onto a soccer player. Hold on a second. Are you are you making Quark into a uh, a Laughlin type situation? An alleged Laughlin? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I could get with that. We don't know his last name, but I'm thinking it might be Laughlin. <laughs> you need to do a bunch of things before you leave your home for the last time in a while, right? And one of those things is you need to get one last balcony hanging and say goodbye to your good friend Jake. Yeah. That was a good spot. The best. I liked this moment. You know, like, I feel like DS9 has done things to throw us off the scent before, like making it seem like a character is leaving and uh, and having us go through the emotional motions of this. But I did not expect myself to be re- reacting in this way when they did it with Nog. And how did you react? I mean, I was sad. I, I felt like they did a good job of kind of evoking, like, the meaning of place when uh, when 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 we had that scene, you know, they didn't hug though, did they? I don't remember them hugging in this scene. I don't know. Maybe it's just my latent cynicism yeah. around everything these days that made it seem like I, I was going for something more from from some close close friends there. Well, one thing that occurred to me was maybe their friendship was closer when they were younger. Because, cause like, when you're a kid, your friends are just, like, whoever, whatever kids are around. And choosing your friends is largely a function of convenience. And yeah. and then at a certain point, like, when people start going away to college or not, and, you know, life starts changing, uh, like, the people that you, like, stay in touch with become a a smaller subset of those. And... I definitely remember around the time of going away to college that like the transience of some of the friendships of childhood started to become evident to one or both friends, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Do you think Keiko wrote Nog's letter of recommendation? (laughs) Dear Starfleet Academy, I'm writing on behalf of a student of mine named Nog. I'd really like to get rid of him, if at all possible. My school recently exploded, (laughs) which as a consequence allowed me to free myself from teaching Nog on the one hand, but now I give him to you. (laughs) I've hid Nog in my ass. (laughs) I guess Keiko is on Bajor right now, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I guess she's... She doesn't really give a rip about it. I guess, but she's you know, in the bush. She's not writing any letters. Would be nice to arrange for him not to be there when she comes back. Yeah, what a relief. Morn is going to be watching the bar. 
Because Quark doesn't trust the Ferengi that work for him. Odo is totally amused by this in a, I can't wait to see how badly this fucks you kind of way. (laughs) Vintage, like, season one level Odo-Quark banter in this episode. And the tension between Rom and Quark is also about the idea that Rom sees this as a fun thing that a father does for a son, and Quark sees it as a chance to make some quick lats. Yeah. Because uh, he's going to be doing some smuggling on the way back to Earth. Right. Uh, I, didn't, I forgot to write down what the material was. Oh, that's chemosite, Ben. Oh. Chemosite. Yeah. Let's, uh, Ask for it by name. Apply it directly to the forehead. Uh-huh. So they all pile into this shuttlecraft. It's a, it's a nice fast ship, but they are kind of driving each other nuts along the way. This is a Ram Nag and Quark episode, so we just have to like get all of our time with the other characters on the show in the in ops like as they as they depart going like, "Boy, I'm sure glad we don't have to watch that episode." <laughs> Basically. The main cast is super psyched about this. <laughs> yeah. You mean I can get out of the loaf early today? Rad. <laughs> I'm going to be over in Crafty, <laughs> just chilling. Uh, one thing that we should mention is that the gift that Nag has been given by O'Brien and Bashir is the sports almanac from Back to the Future <laughs> containing the whole of human knowledge, right? Like, like human history in an iPad. It seems like Nag absorbs a fairly astonishing amount of this <laughs> book, in uh, in in the journey because uh i mean most of what we see is just the three of them bickering you know like like rom getting up on his high horse about how quark is smuggling and then like them using that leverage to extract a commission off of quark uh, of, of the proceeds and then they find that the uh the ship is not quite as uh in ship shape as a uh, as they had been led to believe. I thought I told you to take us out of warp. I'm trying, brother, but the warp core isn't responding. Not a good look for Rom, TBH. (laughs) Because when it blows a tire, it is a real emergency situation. It's a situation that requires the use of the chemo site. Right. The uh, The only thing they can figure out to turn the warp engines off, because they can't eject it, is uh, it's like flood the compartment that the chemocyte is in with warp plasma and see if that will like bust the warp bubble and uh, put their shuttle back into real space. And we get a kind of special effects exterior of the shuttle as it kind of dissolves into uh, golden dust. Ben, is it just me or does the Ferengi shuttle look like the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile from the outside? <laughs> it's the uh, Oscar Mayer Wienermobile with pincers. Yeah. Really looks that way to me. I think it's probably just a kit-bashed wiener, right? I mean, it's definitely the same general design as the as the one like when uh when they were like negotiating for the Barzan wormhole in TNG that those guys got uh got lost in the beta quadrant. Yeah. They wake up and uh and Quirk is, uh, he, he's like on a slab in a in a room, and Ram and Nag are on slabs next to him, and uh, they're in the past, Adam. What if time travel were really this accidental? <laughs> it is terrifying. Like, the tone of this episode, not terrifying. 
No. What if a spoon falls into your sink and into a running garbage disposal and all of a sudden you were transported to 1947? If that happens to me, I'm just transported to a crate and barrel to replace that spoon. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like they're just doing Star Trek and they time travel. Like That's all this is. Right. It's amazing and terrifying. The idea of, uh, of, of not giving that much of a shit about the fact that this happened is uh, is a very Star Trek convenience. The prospect of being trapped here forever is discussed a bunch of times, and it never feels like the end of life as we know it for these characters. It isn't long before they run into Charles Napier, yeah, uh, who I am a big fan of from his work in Rambo First Blood Part Two. Uh, Charles Napier... <laughs> Playing Rex Denning, the cigar-chomping general in this episode. It's a hell of a combination. Who watches over the uh, the airbase in Roswell, New Mexico. Of course, I'm a big fan of his work in Ernest Goes to Jail. <laughs> You're going to make me find Ernest Goes to Jail drops. Cool. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Quark cannot figure out how a door works because of its knob. Yeah, it's possible that whatever Worf has is catching. Yeah. Uh, but they're in this room, and it's like one of those uh, interrogation rooms where there's a, a one-way uh, glass mirror in there, so they they can't see out, but there's a dark room full of uh, of uh, 1947 government types that can see in, and, and that's uh, we, we get like a camera pan to the calendar to establish when and where they are. And uh, it's like the it's the Roswell story told from the perspective that Quark and his brother and nephew are the are the aliens that crashed at Roswell. When does this episode signal to you that it's a comedy? Oh, uh, I think that um, what you want to look for is like that opening. There's a tracking shot right at the, like the first shot of the episode. It's panning along all of the crap that Nog is going to sell, and then and then the camera pans up and it shows that it's about Ferengi. <laughs> Hey, your paper's just coming through on this side, Ben. <laughs> How to tell when Star Trek episode is a comedy. Yeah. Benjamin R. Harrison. All right. I'll give that a look. And I think that I picked up on that a little too late. Yeah. I mean, the comedy works uh, some of the time in this episode. It's hard because Star Trek has had a history of not being very good at comedy. Nothing makes me laugh. I wish to learn. This would be an example of that. But right. if you just lean into silly, like here's the thing. I think silly is different than comedy. Yeah. And I think you can judge silly a little less critically than comedy. And right. so I think you'll enjoy this episode if you proceed from that spot. Yeah. I mean, like it's it's a weird middle path that it takes, right? Because it's like, I mean, the premise of like, Hey, like, let's get some alien characters from Star Trek that we know and do the Roswell story. That is, like, sold in the room, right? Like, that's a great premise for an episode. And then you say Ferengi, and the producer's like, get out! (laughs) (laughs) This is that done with, with, like, the most Star Trek corniness that we get in, like, this era of Star Trek, right? Yeah. This is Rascals-level corny. Yeah. Yeah. Which was also a Ferengi episode. 
True. So let's talk about the human characters. We've got the uh, the general Rex Denning. Just photographs. Under no circumstances are you to engage the enemy. We've got Professor Carlson. This is one of the most important events in human history. His girlfriend, Nurse Garland, who is a military nurse. The only thing I can tell you for sure is they're not human. And uh, we've got a captain, Captain Wainwright. Turns out it was just a weather balloon. Who's kind of... Kind of hawkish, more hawkish than than in general, I would say. Real hawkish. And then there's like a you know plenty of MPs and other kind of yeah. background figures. Like the the professor is there to be the like first contact, Amy Adams in Arrival, like try to communicate with with the aliens guy. Uh, like the the general at one point turns to him and it's like look professor we didn't just ask you here because exposition 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know like yeah like i i don't know why they tried to write him as caring about anything more than the fact that he's meeting extraterrestrials for the first time but like he like turns to the nurse at one point and is like here we are in the middle of one of the greatest discoveries in human history and all i can think about is what you're going to look like in your wedding dress it's not real <laughs> Like, that's not even Star Trek corny. That's just corny. It's hard to criticize a science fiction show for not being real in its treatment of 1940s America. Like, none of this is real. Yeah. We shouldn't care. Perhaps the most absurd scene in the uh, in the ep is when the, when the humans first come into the room and are actually face-to-face with the Ferengi, and they all start kind of bonking themselves in the head. Because yeah. their universal translators are not working, and the humans interpret this as some kind of greeting, so they start doing the same thing. Nog has had 20 minutes with the almanac, so he tells everyone that they're in 1940s Earth, and these are Australians or something. Right. I mean, like, we get some human dialogue from the Ferengi perspective, and it was, I thought, like, a pretty good effect, garbling the speech. Yes, I agree. And, like, the the Ferengi language, which I don't know if we've ever heard before, like Ferengis speaking Ferengi. But Sounded new. Yeah, but we got some of that, and and that was nice. And I feel like, um, you know, like Armin Shimmerman can act through nonsense language, you know? It's true. He really has this character down in a way where you give him a bunch of nonsense phrases like he knows what, what the real meaning is and, and acts accordingly. Grandfatarik Umarks. This episode was shot kind of like a stage play. Yeah. Wherein you get establishing shot of Air Force Base exterior, which they throw to a couple of times. It's just airplane foreground, hangar background, a couple of different times of day. And then you've got the interior of the lab, and then you've got the interior of the shuttle, and then you've got DS9, and I think those are the only locations that we have. I wondered if they put like a very thin tobacco filter on the camera for the scenes in 1947 because they they looked like a little yellowed and a little old timey the light was also unflattering to makeup yeah you can see the seams in the makeup a little bit more than normal like where where the latex stops and the real skin starts on on the on the cheeks on the ferengi all the lab scenes look very fluorescently lit and it's really unforgiving like that pretty tough challenge for, especially for as many close-ups as there are in this app, you really get to see under under the seams, unfortunately. Yeah. Alamarine, come to Fort Alamarine, come 
Speaking of tough challenges, uh, the, the communication issue is the big problem. So eventually they they ply uh, Nurse Garland for one of her hairpins, and, uh, and Ram is able to get the Universal Translator in Nog's ear back going. So presumably there's something like deep inside their heads that are that's working, right? Because it's in the communicators in TNG, like the, yeah. the communicator badge has the, commu- the Universal Translator in it. Why not just put it right into your head? I kind of like this idea. And like, spoiler alert, when Odo shows up, no problem with him. No. Yeah, where does he keep his translator? <laughs> Do you think all of the dialogue on the base is looped? And the reason I ask is not only for the Ferengi language scenes, but the you know the broken universal translator scene is another example hmm. but also because there's an old-timey oscillating fan in the room where this dialogue is happening yeah. and i don't know about you ben but if i were shooting a scene with dialogue i would do everything in my power to make sure that there wasn't an old-timey oscillating <laughs> fan in the room you know yeah. and you never hear it in the show audio right so i'm thinking that's what happened yeah a, a strange choice yeah. But maybe they were shooting somewhere where they knew that they weren't going to be able to use the audio anyways. Maybe. This is an episode where Star Trek talks a lot about its judgments on either the present or the not-so-distant past. The self-righteousness of Star Trek is very apparent throughout this episode, especially when it comes to uh, things like tobacco. Yeah, but it's interesting and fun to get it from the perspective of characters that we tend to judge as being worse than the humans yeah, in the like series. Yeah, like who has more vices than Quark? And here's Quark making fun of people for smoking two cigarettes at the same time. Right. Like people have been fucked to death in his <laughs> hollow suites before, you know? Like like he's seen the the dead-end street of a vice gone wrong. Right, and so, the, the guys that, that sharpen their own teeth are <laughs> judging yeah. people for period-appropriate smoking. <laughs> They also judge the cigarettes, but never judge the cigar, because the general is always chomping on a cigar, but that's never addressed. It's like it's two different things. Weird. Why is Rom wearing digi camo? (laughs) Rom shops exclusively at Cabela's. (laughs) I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, So speaking of police dogs, Adam... There is a military dog walking around this base, and at one point the professor like stoops down to like pet the dog. The general's not like, "Don't pet that dog, sir." <laughs> you know, don't military dogs get their teeth replaced with like metal teeth and shit? Oh no, do they? Yeah, I think that the I think the seals like go into battle with German shepherds that have like augmented metal teeth. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, it's kind of fucked up. Jeez. Is this a whole duck fucking theory that you have that turns out to be wrong, or are you? What are do you, you mean, this? duck fucking theory? I mean, you mentioned on an episode not too long ago, Ben, that uh, that that you you wanted your duck fucking to be consensual, and uh, there's no such thing as consensual duck fucking. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a biologist. I don't know what. <laughs> I think we can agree that it's sad that a that a that a doggy would have his teeth replaced for military reasons. That's not fun. Yeah. 
It's like the whole uh, weaponized dolphins thing you read about. Yeah. That's not cool either. Leave the animals alone. They're not weaponized. They're just like uh, able to swim up to harbor mines and put trackers on them, right? Yeah. I think that's the deal. Yeah. First lesson in training a dolphin, Ben, is uh, teaching a dolphin to stop trying to fuck you. (laughs) That's rule number one. Wait a second. Are (laughs) dolphins and ducks the same now? What's wrong with you, Adam? We should not be listened to for any information about animals. <laughs> we shouldn't be listened to at all, also. Yeah. No. You're talking about Wainwright, right? Yeah. Wainwright pets the doggy so often, but if Wainwright was actually taking notice of the dog's behavior, he would have been able to tell that this dog is not pissing or shitting, because if it had, uh, it would have gone gold, because this is Dogodo. Do you think that uh, it would it would piss and then like uh, like that scene in Terminator Two where the the chunk of metal that was left in the car would like reabsorb into its foot? I think so. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. This is Dagoto. Hello, Quark. And uh, Dagoto is going to work with the Ferengi on on getting them back. He, he's uh, he's been over to where their shuttle is. It's in a hangar nearby. Still in pretty good working order, despite having crash-landed. Quark making a feeble case here to stay behind and change the timeline completely and and run Earth as its leader. Yeah, he sees this as a big business opportunity. And part of the business opportunity he sees is that they're going to sell their shuttle to the primitive uh, forebears of the Ferengi Alliance in this timeline. Right. There's some discussion in like when they're on their way out there that the Ferengi didn't in fact invent warp technology themselves. They had to buy it off of somebody else. I like that backstory. It totally fits together. Yeah, that's fun. And so and so he thinks that maybe like they can they can take over the quadrant at this point in time because they'll be so far ahead of everybody else technologically. Once they get the translator working, Quark starts to do this wheeling and dealing with Rex. He's like, I'd love to sell you my information, but if you aren't interested in buying, I'll sell to the Russians. I didn't know it was supposed to happen like this. He's uh, trying to be like intergalactic arms dealer here. Right. <laughs> and uh, General Denning does not like the, the hard sell, right? No, does, he's not does, a fan. Doesn't react well to it. Reacts so badly to it, in fact, that uh, eventually Quark winds up strapped to a chair getting sodium pentothal injected into him. And no amount of this is changing his behavior. It's pretty <laughs> great. He's got a high tolerance. Yeah. I have uh, totally lost my my booze tolerance lately. Really? Yeah. Did you I, take a break? Well... I uh, I actually took a page from the Adam's Wife playbook and started not drinking on weekdays. Mm-hmm. And man, like That's a I good had, book. I had like one rum cocktail last night, and I was like, "Wow, I'm like totally drunk off this one cocktail." It's nice, right? That's that hasn't happened in forever. That's good value. Yeah, you're making money, Ben. I'm back to being a cheap date. <laughs> Finally. Finally. Our our touring expenses are going to go down as a result. Yeah, I'm not going to be bringing a pint of tequila out on stage with me. <laughs> Just to feel anything. Yeah. There's a real Three Stooges reaction from the gang while Quark is being tortured. Yeah. I thought that the uh, that Captain Wainwright was kind of a weird casting move. Yeah? Like, he's got a very kind face, this actor. Oh, interesting. Yeah. This actor is James McDonald. Like he's been in like NCIS, JAG, CSI. Like he's a 
he lives in procedural television land, I feel mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't feel like he's selling how evil this is, you know? Uh, his face betrays him, right? Like, I think you would need to be kind of like a psychopath. You know who he needed to be? He needed to be muscle face guy from the X-Files, and he's not. Right. Yeah. I think it kind of brings out one of the big problems with this episode which is that it is a little distracted from the idea of like what a big deal it would be to the humans in this scenario. Mm-hmm. All of the jokes and lulls are either like fish out of water stuff or like this is inconvenient for Quark and Quark is obsessed with making money. Mm-hmm. And and the episode is like emphatically disinterested with the humans coping with what a big deal this would be. Yeah. Like, you know, just look at any other movie or TV show about the first time humans make contact with an extraterrestrial intelligence. It's a huge deal. And, like, these humans are, like, walking around like, oh, like, they want to sell us something. Cool. Well, uh, you know, like, it's it's mundane. It's procedural. Like, there's no humanity to it. It's all military superseding that. Right. And the idea that this guy would just be like, well, we didn't get like exactly what we wanted from one conversation with them. So I'm going to start torturing. I mean, like I could kind of believe that that kind of guy exists, but I don't think that he's selling what that is. Faith Garland is the only character that shows any humanity during this episode. And it's not in the way that you're hoping, you know, she has hope for the future of humanity type humanity, but it's not directed at what's right in front of her, which are aliens in her presence. Right. Uh, during the torture scene, Nog makes a big show of, uh, of, of breaking, like he can't, he can't stand it anymore. So he's going to show where the, where the Ferengi invasion fleet is going to, is going to land. You mean your people are going to invade Cleveland? I hope they don't destroy Cleveland. One of the great chicken wings I've ever had was in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. That was a really fun live show. We should go back to Cleveland sometime. Yeah. And uh, and this is where they get the drop on them, right? There's like one MP and one torture guy and uh, and the professor and the nurse and the Ferengi like beat everybody up. She distracts a couple more MPs and they run out and they're, they're like, they're almost home free when uh, General Denning and some more... Uh, army guys come out hot, 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 and uh, they've almost got him. But then uh, Dagodo ungoos behind them and beats everybody up. I guess he's uh, he's disguised himself as a uh, space saver spare on the back of a jeep. <laughs> we used to talk a lot about missed opportunities on this show, and I and I feel like we haven't in a while because the quality of the show has gotten so much better. But. I think there was an opportunity here to do the thing that you were aching for, which is if you have Odo go gold in the foreground where they're looking, I think you could melt Rex Denning's mind at yeah, seeing this. Right. But as it is, he appears as as quasi-humanoid behind them, and so you never get the mind melt moment of them of of a Rex Denning actually like having that moment none of, of the of humans realize reality shattered shattered none of the humans like realizes or processes that there's a second kind of alien at play yes yeah which, which would be another totally big deal like and the nurse yeah. like basically doesn't care she's just like come on <laughs> you know come on man that used to be a tire let's go like no one changes by the end of this episode and i think there are candidates that could 
I felt like Rex was being set up to be one of those people that does. And this was a moment that it could have taken place. I don't make the orders. I'd take them just like you. Right. But as it was, he, he will live on to chop cigars and right. order Wainwright around. Yeah. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pale. In a pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my living state. Time travel so easy, Ben, that all you need to do is harness the power of an exploded atomic bomb, and uh, you're on your way home. Yeah, they use the rest of their uh, keto site, and uh, you know they just happen to have enough, and Rom happens to get the timing just right that they fly their shuttle into like a, I think it's a like stock film yeah. of an actual atom bomb going off. It is another yeah. thing that they're highly judgmental of is like setting off nukes in your own atmosphere faith is the only one that gets it at the end she's like she's put it together she's put together the idea of humanity's role in the galaxy she's still in love with her professor boyfriend despite the fact that he does not get it you get the craziest ideas fucking jeff like pats her on the top of the head and like says that's okay honey like (laughs) like on his way to take her to become pregnant and a barefoot for the rest of her life. Sort of a tragic ending to the Faith story, I think, is that like she's the only one who has an imagination yeah. and is right in her prognostications and like will never be she will never achieve her potential because it's nineteen forty seven. Right, but unlike like it's not an episode that feels like it's building her up in that way right. like it it feels like it's dunking on her for being a forward-looking person yeah it turns it into a joke yeah so unfortunate but uh yeah they get back to the station the button on the episode is uh quark quark is getting hauled off to the cooler because of uh his attempted smuggling nonsense and it's a big uh, slide whistle ending <laughs> to a slide whistle episode <laughs> Boy, oh boy, Ben, why do they sell the shuttle for salvage? It doesn't make sense. Like This is the little D problem, right? Like, give let Quark keep the shuttle so that he can have bottle episodes and shit with it. Like, right. this is his little D. I know. It is such a small change that could have so many interesting storylines. Yeah. Why in the world would they need to pay for passage from Earth to a Federation outpost? Right. When the Federation is a moneyless society, why would the cost of that be roughly equivalent to a working, very good Ferengi shuttle? Doesn't make any sense. You really want to do this here? Now, okay, okay, let's do it. Do it. Really feels like we've been speed bagging the episode, Ben, but did you like it? I, I'll tell you where I turned on this episode. I liked, <laughs> I liked it a lot. Uh, in it's telling me its premise and it's like inhabiting this funny world. But there's this scene, I think the like military guys have left and uh, Rom is like monkeying around with Nog's ear trying to get the translator working. And Nurse Garland turns to the professor and is speculating about their, you know, their family relationships. Like, you know, that one could be the little one's dad. And uh, and then there's the uh, the suggestion that maybe Quark is the mother, and I feel like this show has done this a bunch of times now, where it 
makes a joke of Quark is a girl, how hilarious would that be if Quark was a girl? And like, it's, it's not a funny joke. It's not a good bit. It, and, and the bits that they've tried and they, that they try in this episode tend to be really bad, you know, tend to be really corny. And then that one is just like, you know, like it always sucks when they do that. Are you feeling me on that? I feel like that is a joke about Quark's relative ugliness as a, as a thing rather than any sort of comment on, on, on gender personally i don't know if it's a comment on gender or not i just i just think that like it's it's really weak tea if they tried it once and it was great i could see like dipping into that well again but it's it's uh it's not working you know Hmm. just leave it behind i really approach this episode with an open mind because i am one who is not very accepting of star trek's experiments with comedy (laughs) and I think there was a moment in and I'm not going to say it goes back to the script phase I think in between script and production you could have made the choice to turn this into more of an X-Files episode than a Mars Attacks style vibe Yeah. as I was watching this episode playing concurrently in my mind was the X-Filesification of it like if, if you turn down the lights a little bit if right. you made the room as smoky as it should have been, given all the smoking that was happening in the room, I think you can still have some comedic elements here yeah, and some thoughtfulness here that makes it work. But this episode is, is like so self-aware of its broad appeal. I feel like this episode knows that it's going to be popular because of its subject matter. Right. I hope people uh, don't hate us for not liking it that much. Yeah, when an episode is this self-aware or a movie is this self-aware about how it will be received, I feel like the what it does frequently is it dumbs itself down to the lowest common denominator so right. that it can achieve the broadest possible appeal. Right, so it can be more of a television event and you don't even have to watch the show to get what's going on in it. That's a great description of, of what I'm trying to say. It feels like a very special episode. And I think that is one of the reasons it is it is good and not great, you know. Right. So that's where I'm I'm at with it. Yeah, I wonder what would have happened if they'd ever gotten like actual comedy writers to come in and and work a script like this. I think it would be terrible because my position is keep comedy out of Star Trek. Like incidental comedy is fun and funny when they do it on this show, but every time they try, every yeah. time it it's it's not good. Yeah, like who would be stupid enough to try and combine comedy and Star Trek? It never works. <laughs> ben, you know what works almost all the time is checking our Priority One email box. You want to see what's in there? I do. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first Priority One message is of a commercial nature. The message goes like this. In a universe as vast as time itself, (laughs) secrets, danger, and adventure await those willing to discover. Black Star is an audio drama about a pilot who can cast and control black holes. Whoa. Each of Black Star's nine chapters were conceived from the start to be a treat for your ears and for your mind's eye. It's a tale 
told through environmental ambiance of alien worlds, distinct sounds of character actions, a, din- a dynamic cast, and an original 75-piece soundtrack. Wow. Don your headphones to be immersed in Black Star. Dang. And uh, Black Star is by Randy Greer on Audible and the iTunes Store. So uh, to save the galaxy and experience this cosmic story yourself, you can find Black Star in both of those places. That sounds really interesting. Kind of like a kind of like a premium podcast uh, story experience. Yeah, fully produced thing. Yeah. Having having seen uh, an orchestra play TV music recently. Um, Kind of curious about that, yeah. Yeah. Black Star. You can find it on Audible and the iTunes Store. And it's not the one with most deaf and Talib quality. It's a different Black Star. It's not the David Bowie album. Ed, <laughs> uh, and we have another Priority One message here. It is of a personal nature. It's from Mike slash Dad, and it's for Courtney and Maple. It goes like this. I swore to she who is my wife and <laughs> Trek 5 God that if this new job came through, I'd donate $100 to charity. Two special fellows such as yourselves with a podcast on a .org must count, right? <laughs> Welcome to Baby Maple, too, since she'll have arrived by the time this is read. Yep, I'm your dad. Get used to it. $100 less than the old college fund. <laughs> Money well spent. Yeah, uh, definitely not uh, a charity. <laughs> I love "I'm your dad." Get used to it as a catchphrase. It sounds like a like a late '90s ABC Friday Night lineup catchphrase for someone. Yeah. Also, I'm your dad. Get used to it. Also, a perfectly good catchphrase is uh, <laughs> "Try deducting us from your taxes. It's not gonna work." <laughs> Uh, but thank you for sending us some money, Mike, and uh, congrats on the new baby. Congrats to you and Maple. Yeah. Well, if you have an announcement of either a commercial or birth nature, you can take it on over to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where personal messages are $100 and commercial messages are $200, both of which are a great, great way to help with the ongoing production of this program. And neither are tax deductible. Neither. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I'm going to give it to Nog for asking for and receiving a handjob from Faith Garland. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, pretty pervy, but uh, also in keeping with his character. She does not know what she's doing. No. What about you, Ben? Yeah, uh, another thing that's played for laughs that is super gross. Um, yeah, uh, my... Well, I mean, the ears don't ejaculate, right? We don't know that. We've never seen anybody umox to completion. Right, it's just it's just edging. Yeah. Hmm. Fair um, enough. My uh, drunk Shimoda is Worf for uh, just putting that tooth sharpener right in his mouth without gross. cleaning it first or dipping it in barbicide or whatever (laughs) yeah that's really gnarly you know for as much like revulsion as he has expressed at Ferengi's he seems awfully willing to swap spit with them it'd be interesting if one of Worf's character traits was his being a real germaphobe (laughs) (laughs) that would be a fun tension within him right yeah 
Like he loves stabbing people with a mechleth, but like he does he's got to clean it right away. <laughs> yeah. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I could use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. 
and at MaximumFun.org. All right, Ben. What do we have coming up on the next episode? Uh, you get your board game unfolded there, buddy. Doing it. Next episode is season four, episode eight. The S word of Kalos. <laughs> uh-huh. Kor, a revered Klingon warrior, sets out with Worf and Dax in search of a mythical ancient artifact that they believe has the power to unite the Klingon Empire. Are we going to bring back cloned Kalos in this episode? Why don't we see if uh, if we're going to be doing anything in particular when uh, when we watch this episode? You're required to learn as you play. Roll. All right. Got the die in my hand mm. and the mic in another. I have rolled a two. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Oh, shit. We have jumped over the Traveler Square, which would have propelled us five spaces forward, and landed on regular old Square 91. I said, oh shit, because I was reading it backwards. I thought we, I thought we had hit a, uh, a wormhole. No, we are, we're staring a wormhole in the face. We are, we are parked on a wormhole's doorstep, and the frequency with which we roll ones on this show means that that is a distinct hazard next time we play the game of buttholes. The will of the prophets. It's true. Wow. Well, uh, regular old episode for you and me. Yeah. One of the favorite types of episodes. Love them. For anyone to hear. Yeah. That's what we do best, Ben. That's we what make, we do best. We make Star Trek pod. Uh, what our listeners do best is uh, is support us. They support us in all kinds of ways. They leave nice reviews on the review websites. They recommend our show to friends. They go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and contribute to the production of our show. Uh, we really, really appreciate all of that stuff. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us and, uh, and chat online, use the hashtag GreatestGen on Twitter. I'm on there as at BenjaminAHR. Adam is on there at CutForTime. You can also send us an email at DrunkShimoda at gmail.com. Uh, we read all of those. We don't necessarily reply to all of them because they're just too many and it would be a full-time job all by itself. Rob so far has refused to do our email correspondence <laughs> for us. Uh, we got to thank some people, Adam. We got to thank Adam Ragusia for making all of the wonderful custom original theme music for this show and Dark Materia who uh, kindly gave us permission for the use of the Picard song as our theme music as well. Uh, we got to thank Bill Tilly, who makes trading cards about every episode using the hashtag GreatestGen on Twitter. Uh, they are always really funny, and uh, he puts them out every week. Everyone the best. Thanks for listening week in and week out, friends of DeSoto. Yeah. We see you out there. We should thank uh, J.J. Lendl, who makes the uh, movie poster of each episode, puts it out on Sunday, Deep Space Sundays, he calls them. Yeah. With that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, which is so hungry that it's willing to kill anything and eat it.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.